right. Well, this morning we are continuing in our series in Luke. Like I mentioned, this whole year we're going through Luke. And you know what? I can tell you I have really been enjoying it as I know for my Life Together group, we've been uh, going over, uh, you know, again, what we had already talked about on Sunday and just digging in even deeper and chewing on the Word. And it's been really good. You know, I, I encourage you, whether you're a part of a Life Together group, you'd like to get involved with them, uh, let me know. You can always come to my place on Fridays, um, Friday evenings. And, uh, you know, otherwise, just on your own, if you continue to, to just dwell on the Word, it's amazing how God will speak to you. And this morning, we will be continuing in the Gospel of Luke. We are finishing off chapter 9. And if you've been following along with us, you know that chapter 9 is, is kind of this pivotal chapter where in Jesus' life, he, he kind of turns a corner. He, he gets over the hill, and he, he's now focusing on his calling. And he's, he's letting people know, hey, this is where I'm headed. Uh, so this morning, will you join me as we get into his word? Lord, we thank you. Jesus, we thank you for all that you're doing. We thank you for all that you've done. And we thank you for who you are. Lord, you tell us that your word is alive and living, and that it can speak to each of us. This morning we say amen. We say believe, we believe that. So Lord, we invite you here to speak to us. Holy Spirit, won't you open our eyes Open our ears, open our hearts to your word. Once you minister to us this morning, we thank you, Lord, for, for this, uh, this joyful time that, w- that we get to hear your words, that we get to go through how you live life and how you're inviting us to also join into that life. We thank you, Lord, in your name we pray. Amen. So if you join me, we will, why don't we read through this portion? It's Luke 9, 51 to 62. Um, and this is, this is a time where, where, again, Jesus, he, he is kind of, he's letting his disciples know, hey, this is who I am, and this is where I'm headed. And in verse 51, as we pick up, it says, As a time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples James and John saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. Then he and his disciples went to another village. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, Follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord. But first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replied, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Let's go back to verse 51. It says, As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. 
And as we've been following along with Luke's account, and now we mentioned he's turning this corner, he has even explained to his disciples already that they look, this is where I'm headed. I'm headed towards death. I'm headed towards suffering. Yes, on the third day, I am going to resurrect. I'm going to come back to life. But you know what? You guys want to follow me? You're going to pick up your cross daily. Right? Last week, we read about that. And here, Luke says that Jesus resolutely sets out for Jerusalem. Resolutely. That's not a, a common word, uh, but it means with purpose, determination. It's this unwavering focus, right? The Greek there says he sets his, if you read it literally, it says he set his face towards Jerusalem. And that's actually echoing a passage in Isaiah where the prophet says, I have set my face like flint, right? And flint is this, this hard stone. So it's like he's set in stone. His face is, is carved into place on Jerusalem. And this will be a foundation for our message today as, as Jesus is on the road towards Jerusalem, towards his calling, towards fulfilling, you know, why he was placed on the earth. In this portion of scripture, we will be looking at, at Jesus really explaining, you know, what is the cost of following me? As I'm headed to Jerusalem, as I'm calling you to follow me, what is that going to cost? What does that mean for you? So you can imagine you have a destination, Right? As a Christian, you have a road before you that connects you from where you are today to where you will be, eternity in heaven. Right? And this passage is here to challenge us to consider, you know, what may lie ahead? What are some of the things that we may wrestle with, we may uh, face in the future? And, and, and so because of that, uh, as I think about traveling and on the road, uh, you know, I kind of titled this message, Roadblocks and Traffic Jams. Our favorite things, right? So, so to get us in the mood, let's, let's watch this short clip. You don't have to change the lights or anything. I think we can get the picture. This is just a regular intersection. video that I found is about like 12 minutes. I, I spared you. It was only, I started getting tense, so I cut it down to 30 seconds, but it was crazy. The first like seven minutes, they were all navigating fine, and then here it, it finally got a bottleneck and got, got jammed up, right? I can tell you for certain, you know, this is probably one of those things I, I feel comfortable guaranteeing, that if you travel any distance, you know, in the U.S., that eventually, or I should say if you just live in Southern California, uh, eventually you will face traffic jams. You will face roadblocks. You will face obstacles in your way, right? You may have to take detours. You may get lost. You may accidentally get off on the wrong exit, but you probably find your way back, right? The GPS uh, recalculates, and, and you find your way back. You set your eye on your destination, and you continue moving forward. And today we get to see what are some of the things that people back then faced and, and we today still, still wrestle with. In verse 52, let's, let's start with this. In verse 52, uh, it says, And he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. Now, as Jesus is heading towards Jerusalem, a three-day journey, he takes his time. 
In fact, he takes about six months to, to go around teaching and healing and, and, and just really taking his time and ministering to the people along the way. And here they're going through Samaria. Jews and Samaritans, they have history, right? They've got generational beef and hatred, right? They, uh, the Samaritans uh, bred with Assyrians, and so the Jews saw them as you, they're these half-breeds, and they're not the same, and, and so they really gave them a hard time. And then, as you know, if someone's giving you a hard time, what do you want to do? You want to give them a hard time. So, so this back and forth, and they just really, really, really did not like each other. And so... Oftentimes, most of the time when Jews were traveling, if their route took them through Samaria, instead they would go way out of the way. So they would just totally avoid it, right? Huge inconvenience, but to them it was worth it. They just did not want to deal with that. But here Jesus is just, he's going through. And so he sends some people ahead of him, probably to secure accommodations for the night, right? Uh, Checking the hotel, all that kind of stuff. But they're straight up rejected, Right? They're just rejecting. And why? Because they're Jews that are headed towards Jerusalem, showing that, hey, they recognize Jerusalem as a holy city. They're headed to Jerusalem, and that's you know totally in opposition to the Samaritans. And so they just totally reject. Said, no, we're not going to give you a place to stay. And so what happens? They're just rejected, right? As we look at the roadblocks and traffic jams, uh, um, if you're a note taker, you can take notes. Uh, the f- number one thing that I saw in this passage is this roadblock of rejection. You know, sometimes people reject you, not because of who you are or what you've done. They just don't like you. Like in this case, they just said, oh, you're Jews headed to, some, you know, to Jerusalem? Forget it. Get out of here. Right? They didn't even give them a chance. They didn't want to know who Jesus was, what he was doing, you know, how nice of a person was they just enough? Forget it. So just flat out reject him. And for some people, that's what we see, is that when we, you know, share the gospel of Christ, when we just say, hey, have you heard of Jesus? Or, or hey, come to church with me. Or, you know, whatever. They, they just hear something. They just say, no, forget it. I don't even want to. I'm not even going to learn anything. I don't forget it. Get out of here, right? That's a major roadblock is just rejection. And sometimes, even in our lives, I think we can just say, you know what, I don't even want to deal with that. Forget it. As we continue on in 54, we see what happens next, right? It says, when the disciples James and John saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. Then he and his disciples went to another village. Mm. All right, we have James and John. They're even nicknamed the Sons of Thunder. You can kind of imagine why now, right? And these bros are like, what? They rejected us? Are you serious? They rejected Jesus? They're hating on us just because we're Jews? And as sure as they are about Jesus that, you know, he is for sure a a special man, a prophet maybe. Maybe they had it. He might be the Messiah. But they know, man, Jesus, we've seen amazing things, right? And, you know, I think that they really remember, we're going to be talking a little about Elijah today, because they, they think of Elijah, and Elijah was a great prophet, and he called down fire from heaven on his enemies, right? And so I think they're like, man, hey, we're right there. Jesus is right. We're at least at that level, right? And you notice that they are confident. They don't say, 
hey, Jesus, can you please do something about this? They're like, Lord, just give us the word. We'll do it. We'll take them out. Right? We'll call down that fire. That's how confident they were. Right? Can you imagine? And Jesus has to remind them, no, I came to save. Right? I didn't come here to smoke people. I came here with a message of love and transforming <laughs> grace. And, and But we can be like, like James and John, right? We can fall into judging others, wanting judgment on them right now. So number two in, in that roadblocks and, and uh, traffic jams is a judging spirit. That's something that we have to look out for in ourselves. And what I mean about that is, is this, is, is that sometimes we feel like it's our position to judge people, right? Maybe you felt the hurt of rejection like these guys did. Maybe you felt the anger of offense. You have this position of pride, maybe thinking, hey, I'm the good guy. They did the wrong thing. They messed up. I'm justified. I'm good, and they're bad. They deserve to get what's coming to them. And we find ourselves, we find our, that pride welling up, and, and this judging spirit can be this huge roadblock because we just get stuck on seeing the faults of others and thinking, man, they deserve this or they deserve that. And that will keep us from following after Jesus. Let's keep going. In verse 57, it says, As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, so this man comes up to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Point number three is is fans, but not followers. You know, a lot of people are interested, but they're not really committed. The book of Matthew mentions the same conversation, but Matthew says that the person that came up to Jesus was actually a teacher of the law. So you can imagine like myself or Toby or Jenny coming up to Jesus like, like, hey, you know, we're pastors, you know, hey, how's it going? I'll follow you anywhere, Jesus. And Jesus, he, he brings that to this man. He says, really, you'll follow me. Well, this is what it means to follow me. Maybe you didn't hear. Maybe you, you missed James and John's conversation. But, you know, even animals have a place to sleep at night. But we don't. And so Jesus tells him the cost of becoming a disciple, and the man has to make a decision. Is that worth me following after him? When you go to this picture of the basketball, I used to have this poster on my wall as a kid. You know who this is? You know what his middle name is? No. No. Yeah, that's, that's Michael Jeffrey Jordan. He's born February 17th, 1963. Did you know his childhood idol was Magic Johnson? He even, he even took the nickname of Magic Jordan. His first car was a 1974 Pontiac Grand Prix, and on his license plate it said Magic Jordan. As a child, he watched a good friend drown in the ocean, and because of that he has a lifetime phobia of water. When he was young, his father advised him he should probably become a car mechanic because people that worked with their hands always had a good job. Instead, he went to the University of North Carolina with a basketball scholarship, and he majored in cultural geography. The Tar Heels won the national championships in 1982, and Jordan was NCAA Player of the Year in 1983 and 1984. 
He then entered the NBA as a third pick overall. Um, you know, he's credited. You know, everyone thinks that, you know, I don't know if you remember, but I remember is like, um, you know, everyone started wearing baggy pants all of a sudden, right? And Jordan was actually credited as being the one to start that trend, the baggy shorts, because he insists on wearing his college shorts, his, his UNC Tar Heel shorts, under his Chicago Bulls shorts. So he had to get the shorts bigger in order to cover up his shorts. You know, on and on and on, we can, we can talk about, I could tell you facts about Jordan. I could tell you things, right? And you might even know more. You may even know, you know, things like what's his favorite toothpaste or, you know, what did he like to have breakfast, you know. Uh, you know, these different things, like, you can know about him, right? But you don't know what it's like to live with him, what it's like to deal with someone as ultra-competitive as him. You don't know what it would take to, to follow him, to serve him, to please him. And I think that's what we see here with Jesus, that this man comes to Jesus. Maybe he's heard a few things about him. Maybe he's, he's seen some miracles done. Maybe he's like, man, this Jesus, he's, he's pretty awesome. I think I want to follow him. And Jesus is like, do you know what it means to follow me? It may not be what you expect. Everything is not for certain, right? He, he tells them, hey, I don't even have a place to sleep tonight. right?" And I think for this man, the expectation does not match up. And so he's unable to follow. He's not ready to be a follower or a real knower of Jesus. And so he remains a fan. His motivation isn't strong enough to endure those potential hardships, right? And I think, like I said, like that's me sometimes. That's you sometimes, man. For some of us, we like the idea of Jesus. We like Jesus as a person. You may even believe that he's the son of God, that he died for you so you can have a relationship with him, that you could have life eternal. But to follow Jesus is really to proclaim him as Lord in your life, to serve him, right? Some of us today need to ask ourselves if we are just fans of Jesus if we learn facts about him, if we read stories, or if we're actually prepared to follow him and to endure what lies ahead on that road. Now in verse 59, Jesus, he, he sees someone, and this time instead of the person coming to him, he's inviting this person. He's saying, hey, come, follow me. 59 says, he said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And remember, that there's, there's such a strong cultural obligation here to take care of the elderly, to take care of your family, to take care of your parents. And so in this instance, I agree with, with many scholars that feel like, you know what, in this case, probably this man's father hadn't even passed away yet. The reasoning for that is, is that because those obligations were so serious that if his father had indeed passed, he would not be out on the road meeting Jesus, where, you know, uh, just hanging out on the road where Jesus would have seen him and said, hey, come follow me. He would have been in the home, making arrangements, mourning, taking care of all the things that would need to be done, you know, for this father that has passed away. But instead, he's out here on the road. So, so personally, I think, you know, he, he's probably... 
delaying. He's probably saying, wait a minute. You want me to follow you, but I have these things I need to do, right? He has plans. He has obligations. His culture, his desires were stronger than his desire to follow Jesus. I know I've been there. You know, maybe you guys have been there too. This is a person who, who's, who's waiting. He's waiting to serve God, right? He or she. Maybe things like, uh, you know, go through your mind or, or uh, their mind where they're saying, you know, hey, God, maybe when I'm settled in my career, maybe when I have a little more money, maybe when I have a little more time after I find a spouse, maybe when my kids are all grown, how about after I retire? Then I'll follow you completely, Jesus. Then I'll, I'll totally follow you. You know, after I'm done with the stuff that I want to do, I want to accomplish the life I want to live, then I'll give you the rest. I'll, I'll follow you. And so to follow him, we see that, that, no, that means even more than our culture, more than our plans for our life, our family even. Jesus needs to truly be Lord of our life, to be the most precious, the one that we follow wholeheartedly. You know, even if my thought is, is wrong and this man's father literally did pass away, I think the implication is still the same. Jesus is saying, if you're going to follow me, then I must be Lord in your life. John McNeil was a Scottish preacher in the 19th century. He was in England, and he was on his way to preach at an evangelistic meeting. And on his way, he received word that uh, his father passed away in Scotland. Now, he considered sending a message you know, ahead to the meeting and, and saying, hey, I, I got to cancel. He knew that the people would understand. But he said, but I dared not send it. For this same Jesus, he stood by me. And it seemed like the Lord said to him, he said, it seemed like Jesus said to me, now look, I have you. You go and preach the gospel to those people. Whether, whether would you rather bury the dead or raise the dead? And so I went to preach. Does that mean that a follower of Jesus cannot bury their father? No, of course not. Does that mean that every preacher, when he's faced with the decision of, do I do a funeral or do I go preach the gospel, has to choose to preach? No. But in that instance, as that man thought about it, as he prayed about, you know, should I go? As this preacher thought about that, he felt Jesus was saying, no, you go and preach the gospel. The dead's still going to be dead, you know? And I think that's what is, what is happening in, in this instance is that it comes down to this issue of trust. Do you trust that God loves you? He has a plan for you. He wants the best for you. And if so, then why wouldn't you follow him? Even when it doesn't make sense. Even when you're traveling up a hill and you can't see what's over, what's in front of you. If you trust him, you can follow him. Because you know that he's the best person to be leading you, right? And so we're called to be obedient. Because of that, I don't know, did you have the slide already, Car number four? So that's another roadblock, is not having enough trust of the Lord, right? That's a big one. 
I think a lot of the issues that, that we have, you know, kind of come back to this. Do we trust Jesus? Do we really trust that, that, that God has the best for us? Right? And finally, we, we come to the, the final segment, and, and that is number five on our list is a divided heart. Verse 61 says, Still another said, I will follow you, Lord. This man's coming up to Jesus. I will follow you, Lord. But first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom. And I think Jesus, he, when he answers that, I mean, it seems like so harsh, right? He's like, okay, I'll follow you. Let me just go say goodbye, right? Let me say goodbye to my family, right? It seems so crazy that he was just saying, no, you're not fit. Anybody that goes back is not fit for service, right? But I think Jesus, in context, he is throwing it back again to Elijah. Now, the prophet Elijah, when he calls Elisha, it's kind of funny they have similar names, but when he calls Elisha, he finds Elisha plowing in the field. He has all these oxen, and he's plowing. He's cutting out these lines in the ground to plant crops, right? You can find this in 1 Kings 19. It's not going to be on the screen, but, it, but I'm going to read it. And, and in 1 uh, Kings 19.21, it says, So Elisha, uh, I'm sorry, uh, so I don't have it all here. But, but basically what happens, to paraphrase, is that, that Elijah calls Elisha. And Elisha asks the same thing. He, but he says, wait, let me go back and kiss my family goodbye. Right? And Elijah's like, yeah, cool, go ahead. Right? And so he goes. And then in verse 21, it says, So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. So Elisha goes back. He kisses his family goodbye. And then what he was doing, right, this is his, his vocation. He, he takes the plow. He breaks it up as firewood. He kills ox, and he has barbecue, and he gives it away to everyone. And, and he's really, he's like, man, I'm fully committed, right? So he has nothing to go back to. And so Jesus, he brings up that imagery, except the timing is different. The urgency is different. The kingdom of God is now at hand. And he's saying, no. Nobody with a divided heart. Nobody that thinks, well, let me do this first. Let me, let me, let me go back to my family first. Let me do this first. And then I'll come follow you. No one that even hesitates is ready because the time is now. That even though in Elisha's case, it was fine. It was like, okay, we got time. Go ahead. But now the kingdom of heaven is here and it's go time. You know, t- today it's a, it's, a, it's a blessing for me. Um, yeah, my, my good friends, uh, you know, Josh and Jean, uh, or Josh, he moved in the back. Yeah, so Josh and Jean, uh, if you haven't figured out, they are twins. Uh, they used to confuse me all the time. I can't believe it. I mean, can you guys believe we've been friends for 25 years? 25 years. And, you know, back in, in that time, as I was thinking about that, I, I was remembering that, uh, you know, the first time we met was was hanging out with the mutual friends at Disneyland. Um, 
But at that time, we didn't have smartphones, right? Today, I'm always showing pictures of my kids or, hey, this is what I've been up to or whatever. But, but that, back then, we didn't have smartphones. We didn't have, um, you know, digital cameras, right? So what did you have? You had real pictures. And you can show the wallet. You had something maybe, uh, maybe like this was a thing. Um, you know, you had a little picture thing. Um, maybe you had a flap for credit cards, but instead of having cards, you know, we had pictures in there. So, you know, it's like this. It's like this wallet that has that picture place, and maybe this guy looks like he's got a picture of his wife in there. And so you can imagine that today that if I had my wallet and I had my wife Caroline's picture like that, but then behind it, I had all my other ex-girlfriends, girls that I admired over the years, um, you know, celebrity crushes, pictures behind that photo, she would not be happy, right? She would not be happy at all, right? And I think that's, that's this instance right here. That's Jesus saying, you know what, the cost of discipleship, the cost of following me is, is I, I'm not, you know, the flavor of the month. I'm not one photo, the first among many, but I'm the one and only. And so an undivided heart, Jesus is saying that, you know, you need to be focused completely on me. He gives that imagery that if you're plowing a field and you're looking back, how can you cut a straight line? No one that is going to be torn, no one is going to be looking back is going to be fit to serve, to follow. And for us, that's the same. We need to be fully focused, fully committed on the Lord. And I think that you find that, that as we go through life, these roadblocks come up before us. Sometimes we have to find ways around them. Sometimes they're easy detours. Sometimes it's just switching one lane over on the freeway, right? Other times it's just a complete standstill. And we just got to wait. We got to endure these things. We got to wrestle with them. But you guys are all here. You made it through, right? And that's the same way in life is that, that if we keep our eyes fixed on the Lord, that as he is calling us to follow him, that even though these things, these obstacles come up, if we see him as greater, as we see him as the most precious, as we really see him as Lord of our life, then guess what? We'll be able to find our way forward. We'll be able to move forward. And that's the life that God is calling you to, a life of movement, a life of growing closer and moving closer to him. And it's only in that that, that we really find that fulfillment. We find that, man, this is what we're here for. We find purpose. and We find joy in our life as we follow him. All right, so your, your weekly challenge, uh, like I said, it's always good for us to continue with this. Lately, I've been, I've been telling you, you know, it was my birthday last week, and, and they asked, you know, what is, you know, some wisdom out of your many years on this earth? And I said, I don't know. But, you know, lately God is impressing on me that, that we have so much information, right? We have so much information. We know a lot, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter unless we actually act upon that, unless we actually apply it to our lives, unless we actually do something. And it's in that application in wisdom, that something actually happens, right? Life transformation is available, but you gotta, you got to follow. you got to make that movement. So, no, that part is read Luke 9, 51 through 62. 
And uh, the cross-reference there is Matthew 18, uh, 18 through 22. So get a couple perspectives there. Consider what are the roadblocks and traffic jams. I, I shared mine with you in here that I saw. Maybe you see something different. Maybe you would word it differently. But spend some time in those passages and think about what are these obstacles? What are these things that keep us from following after Jesus? Grow. Think about your own life. Identify those things. Which out of those things listed that you identified are you? Which one of those things are you wrestling with that slow you down as you try to follow after Jesus? And then finally, overflow. Write down these, these roadblocks or these kind of traffic jams in your life. Consider and pray. You know, how can these obstacles be removed or overcome? What can you do about this? I encourage you, you know, if you're like me, maybe you have several, you're like, oh, I'm just going to pick one to focus on, right? But let's keep moving forward. Because if we just hear this, if we receive this, we read this and we don't do anything, then guess what? We're in the same place as we were yesterday, right? Let's pray and, and, and then we'll continue on with this service. Uh, Lord God, I thank you. I'm always humbled being here because um, I know that you know me. You know all my faults, um, all my issues, and all the ways that, that I am unfit, unqualified, unworthy to serve you. And I'm just like everyone else, Lord. That right where I'm at, that, that you meet me, that you invite me to come and to follow you. And so, Lord, this morning, it's, it's my prayer that, that every person here would know that wherever they're at in life, that you are calling them to follow after you. That nobody has gotten off track so far that they can't find their way back to you. So, Lord, won't you continue to work in our hearts and won't you continue to shape our minds to transform us into men and women that follow after you completely, that have an undivided heart that will share your love and see your kingdom come. In your name we pray. Amen. This morning, like every first Sunday, we get to share in uh, the blessing of taking communion together. Um, So, Pastor Jenny, would you come forward and, and bring us into that time? Worship team, you guys can make your way back up. Times together are always so special. They're beautiful and holy times. I think about how we come as individuals to the table um, for ourselves, remembering what Jesus has done for us. But then we're also celebrating together as a church family what God has done for us. So I want to remind us of the words of scripture that the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed he took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and he said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me